Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition to talent management, SHL Solutions provide your organisation with the power and scale to build your business with the skilled, motivated and energised workforce you need. SHL takes the guesswork out of growing a talented team by helping you match the right people to the right moments with simplicity and speed. They equip recruiters and leaders with people insights at an organisation, team and individual level, accelerating growth, decision-making, talent mobility and inspiring an inclusive culture. To build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive, visit shl.com to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 505 of the Recruiting Future podcast. I always knew that the pace of change would accelerate this year, but it's only March and we've seen thousands of tech layoffs, bank failures, the launch of ChatGPT and now ChatGPT4. Meanwhile, businesses worldwide are still struggling to get the talent they need. The implications for talent acquisition of this pace of change and technological development are profound. And at the moment, it doesn't even feel that there's time to take a step back to understand them. So what does this all mean? And how should TA leaders adapt and plan for such a dynamic future? What better time to invite my favourite futurist back to the show to attempt to get some answers? Kevin Wheeler is the founder of the Future of Talent Institute and one of the great deep thinkers in our industry. In our conversation, Kevin looks back into the past to give us clues about the future and offers invaluable advice on what we should be focusing on. Hi, Kevin, and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's always great to chat with you. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. For people listening who may not have um, come across you and your work before, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. Kevin Wheeler. I run the Future of Talent Institute, and we try to look at the emerging trends in the in the talent space primarily uh, for the next several years. Uh, and we just sort of um, comment on those, and I write a weekly newsletter uh, about about these trends. Absolutely. And I can't think of a more difficult job <laughs> in the last in the last few years than than doing that. And I and I guess the, the logical first question would be tell us what you're seeing in the market at the moment. There, there's so many confusing things going on all over the world. What's what's your take on what's happening in twenty twenty three? I think, you know, I think clearly um, everything is in flux and changing. But the basics are that hiring is still robust. Uh, companies, for the most part, everywhere in the world, are still looking for, for talent. And despite all the gloomy news of thousands of layoffs here and there, I think that's more of an indictment of leadership in these companies, of kind of abrogating their responsibilities for good planning and, and foresight uh, and hiring so many people during the pandemic. Um, it was sort of a scramble uh, for people. They overhired way beyond the uh, 
revenue increases that they were seeing. Uh, and now they're obviously laying these people off, which is unfortunate. But I think in the long, in the long run, it's, um, perhaps good for small companies because they will now be able to pick up and are currently picking up some of these really great people that have been uh, recently laid off from these big companies. Uh, I think there was a bit of hoarding going on, talent hoarding, in effect, where companies were saying, let's just, just hire these people till we have them. And in effect, it denied them from other smaller companies that couldn't afford them or you know couldn't bring them on board. So that's kind of uh, unleashing a whole you know, group of talent that was, uh, was captured before. So I think it could be very positive in the long run. You mentioned uh, just just then your your weekly newsletter, which is which is one of my favourite newsletters. I, lo- I love kind of getting your thoughts your thoughts through and your observations through every week in terms of what's going on. You sent one sort of two or three weeks ago that really caught my eye, which was looking at parallels. You were looking back at the nineteen twenties to look at parallels for the twenty twenties. Tell everyone a little bit about about that, and um, you know what you what you found. Yeah, you know, they always say that you know history doesn't repeat itself, but there clearly are are themes that seem to continuously emerge. And I was looking at the nineteen twenties and saying, you know, it was an incredible decade, just as our decade is, of growth and change. Uh, when we look at what was going on in technology, in science, and medicine, uh, the 20s were amazing, 1920s. Uh, we discovered antibiotics. Uh, we found insulin to help control diabetes. Uh, radio broadcasting became commercial. Uh, frozen food appeared. Uh, women got the vote in many countries around the world. HR became a profession in the 20s, really. So, I mean, it was an incredible decade uh, of change, uh, just like the one that we're in. Uh, But it led in 1929 to one of the largest depressions that the world has known. And hopefully 2029 will not lead to that for us, but, but who knows. But as far as, you know, changes in employment and work, there were tremendous changes. You know, people, a whole bunch of jobs were created uh, only briefly. Uh, for example, the telephone operator and the elevator operator are good examples of jobs that were very lucrative and well-paying jobs in the 20s, 30s, and even the 40s, and then they disappeared. They're gone because of automation. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really interesting in terms of the technology creates these jobs and they become a thing that that people that people do for you know for several years or you know many many years, but then then become obsolete and we've kind of forgotten that they exist. Exactly, and that's going to happen to us as well. You know, I mean, many jobs that today are are considered to be very uh, very you know great jobs that pay well. They're you know, it's great to get jobs doing them. I mean, I think things like just writing computer code is going to become heavily automated in the near future. So all these people that are programmers and coders, um, you know, I don't know that they're going to disappear, but I think the numbers of them that are needed is going to significantly decrease. We already saw a little bit of this back with um, HTML programming, which has pretty much disappeared as a profession. This, so it's very automated today. Uh, and network administrators, they, they were super popular job 15 years or so ago, now gone. Uh, taxi drivers are being slowly displaced by, you know, Uber and, and other uh, services like that. So we're already seeing things like this happening. You know, uh, clerks in the grocery stores, the clerks are being replaced by automated scanners. 
where you, you do your own scanning of your of your groceries. So all of these things are already, you know, jobs that have been great for, for quite a long time are already disappearing. And, and there'll be more jobs that continue to do that. But at the same time, new ones are created. You know, there's always new things coming along. So the key is really, uh, I think, in our era, as opposed to the 1920s, is this change is faster. Uh, The time spans are are much shorter. uh, And it's really necessary to stay uh, skilled and aware so that you're not, you know, caught in this by being a, a checkout clerk that suddenly doesn't have a job. You know, you need to be thinking about your next step. I think that's really interesting. I want to sort of drill into that in a li- little bit later in the conversation. But I suppose to set the the scene for that, you know, w- what's been really interesting for me in the last few weeks is with the kind of the open access to various AI systems that have come online, AI automation is now very much at the centre of everyone's consciousness and um, you know universe. Even though some of that technology has been around for a while, how do you see AI and automation affecting recruiting and talent acquisition and, you know, HR in the kind of the short to medium term? Well, I think it's going to have a pretty uh, significant impact. I think clearly it will, for some of those mundane tasks that it's probably going to be able to do for us or help us do are things like write a job description to um, create better marketing messaging for, uh, for candidates to communicate with candidates and, and do the, the writing of the communication. I think you're going to see uh, chatbots that are empowered by this AI technology already emerging. Recent discussions with uh, Microsoft, with ChatGPT, uh, they're already working on this. Um, I think you're going to find Google, I think today just announced uh, its its version of, uh, of basically chat GPT. And I think you're going to see many other companies announcing their versions of this. So and we're in a competitive race for, you know, how can we use these tools in everything? But clearly recruiting will be a beneficiary of this. It will, you know, do, a, do many things, maybe not as well yet as people do them, but certainly can do them in an adequate way to meet a lot of needs and can give recruiters a foundation to improve. Uh, for example, let's say it writes a marketing message that you not may not think is great, but with a little bit of tweaking, it could become great. So a recruiter wouldn't have to come up with it from scratch. So I think this is going to be a real augmentation to what we do in recruiting, really help us. I think over the next decade or less, it will slowly become more powerful and probably replace many of the tasks that recruiters do today, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, all the recruiters are going to just disappear. It just means that skills will shift and you'll be able to do things or be, you know, required to do things that maybe you don't have time to do today while the technology does the things that waste your time today. Do you think that with everything that's going on, you know, albeit you know, the economic circumstances, the talent markets, the rise and adoption of technology, 
are we starting to see a structural shift in the way that organizations view talent? So, you know, for, for example, number of conversations on the podcast in, in recent weeks about talent acquisition playing a role in internal mobility. And, you know, in some cases, you know, talent management and talent acquisition almost kind of, you know, merging or becoming more trans, transparent. Do you think that we're, we're seeing some, these kind of structural changes in the way that employers think about talent? I hope so. I think it's going to be necessary given demographic trends, uh, given what's going on out there in terms of the skill mix that is, is available. <clears throat> I think you're going to see that we're going to have to, employers are going to have to think about uh, the, their workforce in bigger, uh, bigger terms than just a full-time permanent employees. They're going to have to do what I call, uh, tap into what I call the, uh, the larger workforce ecosystem. And that ecosystem includes uh, part-time people, sometimes people, contractors, consultants, vendors, strategic partnerships, RPOs. So, you know, when a position or need arises in a firm, rather than just with a knee-jerk response almost saying, okay, let's open a rack and go hire somebody, I think it's going to be a much more thoughtful process of saying, what's the right kind of person for this job? Do we need it all the time? It's a job that a con- consultant could do? Uh, is it a more of a project? Is it something that we only need occasionally? So maybe a, an, an occasional worker would be great for this job. Uh, so we're going to have to have a lot more uh, thought about what type of person and what skill sets are best suited for doing whatever it is that we want done. And I think in the, for the 20th century and, and even right up till today, we've just always hired a full-time person to do it whether that full-time person really had a full-time job or not, or whether it was uh, challenging or whatever, it didn't matter. We just hired somebody full-time. So I think companies and recruiters are going to be asked to look outside to a larger ecosystem, probably a larger geography, uh, because of what's going on with education and with the demographics, uh, and internally with their own internal current employees and how they can be reskilled, upskilled, uh, relocated, removed uh, within the company so that they can meet some of these needs that they would have gone outside for before. So a much more thoughtful, uh, holistic uh, approach, I think, to recruiting. The smart companies will do this, uh, and doing this will help to avoid these you know, massive layoffs and this sort of increasingly unacceptable employment behavior that firms have been engaging in. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www 
www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. There's a lot of current TA leaders who are listening, you know, who are trying to sort of plot a course through, you know, the next few months and, and years in terms of, you know, all this change and, and all these factors and all these sort of pressures that they're under. What would your advice be to them in terms of what they should be focusing on? I think you should really clearly focus on this larger workforce beyond the permanent 40-hour-a-week employee. Uh, I think work is changing. We all know that. More and more people don't want to work as a full-time regular employee. Uh, Many people are opting to choose uh, a more flexible work style and lifestyle. So I think recruiters have to influence hiring managers as best they can to think differently about these jobs, just as I talked about a few minutes ago. Talk to a hiring manager. Do we really need a full-time permanent person in this job? What if we hired a contractor? What if we hired uh, a part-time person? What if we hired a, a consultant to help us redesign this job? You know, how do we look at this differently so that we don't constantly increase our workforce uh, and not necessarily use it as effectively as we could? I think that's one of the responsibilities that recruiters have is to be more, more aware of the market and help to educate hiring managers on that. And, and I fully realize that this is a difficult job and that, you know, uh, hiring managers may still insist on hiring a full-time person, but it doesn't mean you can't bring this up and talk to them about it. And everyone that you convert is, is a win, in my opinion, uh, for, for you, for the company, and for the employee that ultimately gets, the person ultimately gets hired, and for the hiring manager as well. So I, I really urge recruiters to think more broadly more holistically and more globally. And we could, you know, kind of get into that, the why I think you need to think globally if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, give us, give us your perspective on that. I mean, it really boils down to demographics and education. All of the Western world is getting older very quickly, and we're not able to replace our populations. So whether the only country in Europe that's currently replacing its population through birth is, is France. And it's barely doing that. But countries like Germany, the UK, uh, Italy, they all have less than replacement birth rates. The same for America, the same for Canada, uh, the same for Japan, the same for China. So we've got all these countries that are getting older and older. And older workforces are not as productive They're not as energetic as younger workforces. So where are these younger workforces? These younger workforces are in the places you don't don't really expect. Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, even, even, uh, even, even Burma, countries like India, Sri Lanka, uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan. These countries all have growing birth rates and fairly educated people that are choosing to study the subject that's going to make the most difference for the future, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, which we sometimes refer to as STEM. Uh, STEM jobs are really the future. Lots of projections project they're the primary, going to be the primary growth job of the next uh, 20 years. Uh, so we, and those countries are putting more people through STEM education. We're not. 
the only country in Europe that's uh, putting a significant number of people through STEM jobs is Germany. Uh, the U.S. is not. Uh, but countries like uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, believe it or not, are leading the way in, in STEM education. So when you combine the, the age of the workforce with education, it seems to me obvious that your best engineers, your best next hire, is not going to be in America or the UK or Europe. Your next best hire is going to be in one of these other countries. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out how do we hire these people in place to work remotely, probably, or perhaps set up small satellite offices in these areas. We've been doing this for decades in India. We're going to have to continue to do this uh, at a greater level. Uh, but we're just not going to have the people with the right education to fill the needs of the workforce unless we expand our thinking into a more global marketplace. I suppose thinking about expanding thinking skills of the future and the workplace of the future, there'll be people listening who are kind of the, the aspiring recruiting and TA leaders of the of, of the future and also, you know, people who are already in leadership positions who, who want to um, move their career on. What skills do you think people should be developing, you know, to make them the brilliant recruiting leaders of the future? Well, clearly they are going to be the skills that AI cannot. Uh, and if we believe, which I do, that AI will take over many of the ordinary routine functions that we do every day, even things like assessing candidates, screening candidates, even finding candidates, those things are going to be done by AI, and they're going to get done increasingly better and better. And like I said a few minutes ago, it may not be as good today as a person, but it's going to get better and better. So the skills that you need to stay in the talent space in the future are going to be those human skills of marketing, influencing. Uh, those are going to be incredibly important skills, skills that understand the global marketplace, that really understand the, um, uh, the trends that are going on out there, that can discuss those intelligently with leadership, uh, can do the analytics and bring in the, uh, the facts and the data to support your positions. Those are going to be the key skills. And AI can help you do those things. The artificial intelligence can help you gather the facts and help you put together the, the influential uh, discussion or presentation that you need to have. But though being able to do that is going to be the fundamental success skill. I think the skill of, you know, being I'm a best interviewer or I'm the best whatever sourcer, those are increasingly going to become less important skills because AI is going to be able to do those things. So our job is going to be to use whatever they produce, judge it, interpret it, uh, put it, communicate it, uh, influence people with the data. Those are going to be the primary jobs of those, of those people in the talent space. Final question, where can people find you and where can they subscribe to your newsletter? Sure, they can uh, subscribe to my newsletter at fotnews.futureoftalent.org. It's, uh, or you can just go to the futureoftalent.org website and there's a link there you can click to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. And that's how you can reach me as well. Kevin, thank you very much for talking to me. Oh, you're welcome, Matt. Thanks again for the opportunity. My thanks to Kevin. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. 
you can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.